Hello and welcome, listener. You've come across and pressed play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central podcast. Hope you're doing well. My name is Robert Kerr, the host of this here podcast, which aims to be the source for uh, all things soccer here in the Great Lakes State. And here along for the ride this week is one of the main men at Michigan Soccer Central, regular contributor, expert on the U.S. Open Cup, and longtime local play-by-play man. Thank you, Josh Hakala, for joining me this week. Hey, glad to be here. We are uh, going to take a closer look at last weekend's MSYSA Girls State Cup because you and I spent the weekend commentating on the 12 uh, State Cup finals. Uh, have you? Has your voice recovered from that, by the way? Yeah, that was a lot. Uh, well, luckily they split them up into two days, so we had three games. But yeah, they, and they're really right up against each other. And uh, and oftentimes, what happens in these uh, these tournaments is that if one game goes into overtime, they they don't mess around. They 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 don't you know say, oh, we're running behind. They're just like, next game, come on, move it, and everyone just jumps on the field and they get started. So I remember getting getting a sandwich in between because it was lunchtime for, for one. And we just had an extra time game and, and they were like, Oh no, they're ready for kickoff. You don't have time for that. So it was, it was a lot, but uh, it was a lot of fun. So much, uh, so much great talent up there. And, and, and just to see at all levels, you know, from under 14 up to under 18. And, and uh, there's going to be a lot of college programs that are pretty happy with the, the, the talent that's coming out of these teams. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more on those twelve games later. At least uh, some more uh, get a little more granular on that. I can definitely say that uh, reading stories to the kids on Sunday night was uh, a little bit uh, rough on <laughs> speaking. But uh, there's a, quite a, a lot of tidbits and uh, news stories to kind of touch on uh, this week. Um, we are in the last week of October here. This week's podcast, Detroit City FC could clinch the NISA Fall League. They could clinch the number one spot with a a good number of games remaining on Saturday. They welcome in uh, Cal United Strikers. Very impressive, and uh, I'm sure LaRouge would want to clinch in front of their home fans uh, this weekend. Yeah, and, and and on top of that, you come in. I think that including that game, they only have uh, four games left, and in in the regular season, and you come across this in every sport. You know, is it? It's great to get the you know clinching out of the way, take care of that, and you know you're in, and you making maybe rest some players, but. You know, I, I feel like there's just endless examples of teams that, that clinch early and uh, maybe lose a little bit of that momentum uh, going into the tournament. Or whereas you get teams that are like fighting for that playoff spot, they go in there with a little bit more momentum. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, but they've got, uh, you know, like you said, Cal United coming up and then they have uh, Chattanooga, the L.A. Force, and they close out the season against the Michigan Stars. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I was hoping that uh, that could be a real barn burner, a local rivalry, or at least a regional uh, opponent uh, get to face off each other in the last week of the season, which is exciting nonetheless. But the Stars uh, are sitting in uh, fourth place at the moment on 20 points, while DCFC have a mighty 35 with 11 wins, two draws, one loss, just the one loss in uh, 2021. Uh, they've got three more to go after this weekend they do play 
the second place Cal United strikers. So that could be a very competitive and exciting game in Hamtramck. Another one of those fall 4 p.m. starts down in the city. Um, also, well, also to know- you got Ch- Chattanooga is sitting in like eighth right now. But then aside from that, I mean, you mentioned Cal United sitting in second, LA four sitting in third, and the Michigan Stars sitting in fourth. So, I mean, if you're going to clinch, you know, it might be this would be a good time to do it when you got some tough teams coming up down the stretch. You maybe don't want to leave things to chance when uh, when you have a lot of uh, tough opponents down the stretch. That is a fun coincidence that they are playing the the number two, three, and four teams as the the last uh, weeks of the season outside of Chattanooga, like you mentioned. Um, but they, if they win this weekend, they got three matches uh, to just kind of cruise, so to speak. No, they're they're taking care of business this year for sure, and you know one of the best defensive teams and uh, and the best offensive team as well. So they're they're taking care of uh, the the NISA competition. There there are some teams that we I think we expected a little bit more out of. I think a a lot of it has been uh, you know between all these teams just kind of beating each other up. I mean, I guess uh, fans in this neck of the woods would know how like the the Big Ten conference can often be. Uh, it's very similar in that uh, you know you have teams that are. A lot of the teams are just kind of like hovering around 500, you know, for for the majority of the league, but uh, not Detroit City. They're they're sitting pretty in, in number one with the you know 11 one and two record, or 11 two and one record. I guess it depends on which how uh, how you did you know display that. Yeah, know. the the <laughs> way that uh, leagues are displaying the records is just like all over the board. So I, I look at a lot of soccer stuff, and I still always have to scroll up to the top to. To really decipher, are we talking sure. draws or losses here? Yeah, I, I, I think I've heard one per... I've always thought it as just wins, losses, and draws, just because wins and losses going together is easier for Americans. But then someone pointed out that the, the reason why you put... the Like, people put the draws next to the wins is because the the draws are actually something you get points from, and they should take priority, and I was like, eh, okay, I could see that. It's but closer. It's closer that. to a win than it is to a, a yeah, loss, I guess. Sure. Yeah, but I, you know, it's not something I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to die on this hill. But, you know, I was like, it, it, I'm just so used to win, loss, draw. But, you know, whatever. I'm I'm not going to fight it out with anybody. Uh, the other crosstown team, the Michigan Stars, also host a home game this week. They will host the LA force out at Romeo high school Saturday afternoon and um, Michigan pros professional players elsewhere. Uh, a lot to note uh, this week, catching up with a number. got to say congratulations on the top of the segment to Michiganders and New York revolution players, Brandon by and Dewan Jones uh, both played a huge part in uh, having the best regular season record in MLS, winning the Supporters' Shield last week. Uh, Dwan Jones, the Lansing native, three-year Michigan State Spartan, uh, played uh, 29 games starting 27 of them, uh, netting three times with five assists. Uh, The wide defender uh, made 75 appearances for the Spartans and was the 2015 Mr. Soccer. And um, Brandon by the Portage, Michigan uh, native uh, is in his fourth year with the Revs. And he also played a big part of the supporter shield winning season, getting 25 starts, 27 appearances 
with two goals and three assists from the back line for uh, Big Tuna's uh, team there in MLS. Pretty wild. Uh, Bruce Arena continues to be uh, the best at MLS. And uh, cool to see um, two Michiganders uh, finding success in the first yeah, and, division. And it's and it's nice to see New England finding you know finding a, a way to get back toward the top of the table. I, I feel like they were sort of just uh, hovering around uh, sort of mediocrity for for a long time. And Bruce Arena has definitely uh, turned that team around, and and now getting their second major trophy. You know they had, they had the 2007 U.S. Open Cup. And uh, yeah, and, and I'm sorry to Revs fans like that Superliga championship doesn't count. That is not a that is not a major trophy. Um, and uh, so they so they get a, a second majors their first time they won the supporter shield. And what's even more impressive is I, I think we kind of get lost in uh, some of the accomplishments of some of these coaches and like in Bruce Arena, that was his 11th major that he has won as a coach and that ties Ziggy Schmidt for uh, the most ever in, uh, in the modern era. So that's a, uh, he's really, he is really to turn things around in new England. And it's nice to see a couple of Michiganders, a big, big part of that. Yes. Congratulations once again to Brandon by and Duan Jones. Hopefully uh, they can add to the silverware in the MLS playoffs. Um, staying in first division ball, but to the women's side, I got to make note of, Bethany Balser uh, doing some big things in the NWSL. She won um, the league's player of the month award for September, where she played all four of uh, OL Reigns games uh, where they're undefeated, getting three wins and a draw. Uh, they currently sit second place, her team of Seattle based OL Reign, second place in the NWSL and Balser herself has netted nine goals in her 22 appearances. Uh, those nine goals getting her to second place in uh, scoring in the league. I, I don't think people, maybe sports fans in general, don't truly appreciate this story about Bethany Balser. Like she is like, I mean, it's just unheard of. I mean, once in a while you hear about a, you know, a player, you know, in the NFL who like makes a jump. From you know the, I'm gonna call it the one one double A level, because <laughs> like, I I can never keep track of the uh, the letters of uh, how we're defining uh, levels of play. But you know a one double A player making a jump to the NFL, like once in a while you hear about that. A small school player in the NBA making a jump, like it happens, but it's pretty rare. But this is uh you know having a player come all and, and to not only make a team, which is impressive enough. And not only to start, but then to be among the league leaders in goals. It's just, uh, it's really impressive. It almost seems like a a good guest idea for Michigan Soccer Central, huh? Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, Spring and Spring Arbor, you know, it, and having an NAIA player, I think even at the, uh, in men's soccer, like that's pretty rare. I don't think off the top of my head that we have had anyone on the men's side that has gone from NAIA to the pros and made an impact. I mean, there have been players, a couple players who have been drafted, but very rare. So I, I think it's impressive. So I, the fact that she's doing what she's doing and second in the league and scoring and, and, and doing it on a, a high profile team, I, I think she, uh, she needs to be celebrated more than she is. Yes. Uh, pretty incredible. Like you said, the jump and then to make the jump to the pros, but then to be a standout pro 
there. That's that's multiple steps up. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see if she uh, gets a sniff of the national team now that we have maybe some of these uh, older players are moving on and uh, maybe see the writing on the wall, like they're gonna be around for the next cycle and like hey, maybe she steps in and after a performance this year and uh, maybe she could you know get get a few caps under her belt this she's got great timing if she's on the ascendancy still and the national team's in a time of transition uh who knows i mean she's uh breaking boundaries so far and that would be incredible the the young uh generation on the women's national team side does seem to be forward heavy so i feel like that may be a, a position of strength for the women moving forward, but incredible what she Bethany Balsner is doing so far. And I hope uh, she continues to press on and hopefully we can get her voice on this very podcast. Um, moving to the USL Championship, Bloomfield Hills native Russell Cicerone um, is having a great year for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Uh, he just scored the game-winning goal on Sunday for his side, uh, his 16th of the season, and that win over the weekend brought the Riverhounds up to third in the division in the USL Championship. So congrats to Russell Cicerone. Great to see that you're having uh, a great year in front of goal. And, and and Pittsburgh has always been one of those franchises that I just, you know, I, I don't have a favorite team or anybody that I that I follow. But like over the years, they have been around for so long and, uh, you know, they date back to the, the late 90s and they went to the went through the process of, you know, playing from high school to high school. And uh, I, I remember going to a game in 2000. Four, I think it was, and they were playing at a high school where there was a noticeable hill going down into the corner flag, which I'm certain is not FIFA, <laughs> would not be FIFA approved. Uh, and I remember taking a ball, uh, this is like pregame, taking the ball and trying to kick it straight to see if I could ramp it up the grass. And uh, it, it worked a little bit. And so they've played in some pretty some pretty crappy venues. And and now they have this, you know, soccer specific stadium that's like overlooking you got downtown in the background. It's gorgeous. And I've always wanted to see them do, you know, take that next step and to, to be that team that uh, that takes another step and becomes part of the sporting landscape in that in a big city like that. And, you know, I think there's that's still a work in progress, but uh I, I think they've got all the ingredients there. And again, it's, it's nice to see a, a Michigander involved in that. While we're talking in the USL sphere, there was some um, USL related news here in Michigan uh, last week, just after the podcast dropped last week, uh, Grand Rapids uh, will be having one of the inaugural, uh, I think that's the right word, uh, one of the first USLW sides, Midwest United is going to um, be uh, the first uh, USLW side in Michigan and one of the first in the league. Um, I was awaiting uh, news from Lewis Robinson regarding the uh, men's side because the Midwest United women's had an unbelievable uh, year in um, their league going. uh, They they ran away with it ahead of uh, Corktown and Detroit City FC women. But uh, they 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 make a, a step up, I guess, with the to the new USL league. Um, 
waiting for the uh, men's news to come through, but a lot of uh, soccer gears are a turning on the west side of the state. Yeah, and, and the, it's so nice to see the W League back. You know, they they were they were the women's soccer league from 1995 to I think it was like 2015 is when they it's when they closed up shop and and you know obviously they were the only show in town for a while, but then obviously we had the various professional leagues that popped up uh, during that span, but they were always such a great league to have in place and i was so surprised that with the infrastructure that the usl has that they wouldn't you know i was surprised to see them you know go in or cease operations and after 2015 and it's good to see it back because i think the usl has has the infrastructure in place to make this happen and uh it, and it's great and and i i've i've got some history with the w league too because i i when i was living in philadelphia I was looking for a play-by-play gig, and it was in between the when the the first league. Uh, why can't I think of the the name? Uh, I'm getting all the letters. So you get UWS. Is that what is that what the uh, UWS is? What uh, was played this year? Okay, so if I see, I could even I can even Google the the, the names, but the, uh, the, the Anyway, they, so we've had three different WUSA. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, WUSA uh, folded, and it was like the right place at the right time because I was looking for a play-by-play gig, and then the New Jersey Wildcats reached out to me, and and they were like, "Yeah, we're putting a pretty good team together. Let's you know, and we want to broadcast it because there's going to be a lot of good players because a lot of these players in the WUSA need a place to play." And the W League is a perfect place for them to do it. And so Heather O'Reilly was local to the area in New Jersey. And she basically like put together a super team. And I I still and and I'd have to really argue this out with some uh, some women's soccer writers uh, and historians and whatnot. But I, I would contend that that New Jersey Wildcats team in 2005 was probably one of the best club teams uh, women's club teams ever assembled because it because it, it wasn't like a it was basically just everybody they had uh, you know cat whitehill at the back they had uh, karina leblanc as a goalkeeper uh heather o'reilly lindsey tarpley um there was just it, they were low um uh who's the she's still playing for the national team and she was like 18 years old tobin uh tobin heath was on that team and she was like 17 years old or 18 years old um so they just were loaded, and so it, it was it was a good time, and I and I remember the W League being so competitive because of the the wishy washiness of the pro game at the time, but now the pro game really needs like you know needs a minor league system. They need some sort of consistent place for for players to play and to get the the funnel going to the pros, and the, and and the more they can kind of work together to do that the better because I feel like there's just there's too many leagues and it's all spread out and I, I think the more people can work together on this I think this could be a good place to do it because like I said they've got they've got the infrastructure they got the national footprint and uh, it could be really good and Midwest United is jumping in early and I'm sure there will be more uh, staying with celebrating Michigan based players uh, got to give a tip of the cap to uh, Justin Miram. Metro Detroit native announced his international retirement last week. He played 35 times, scoring four goals. 
in a span of time since 2014 from the Iraq national team. So uh, kudos to him for a uh, notable international uh, career. Uh, he continues to play uh, professionally for Rail Salt Lake. He also, uh, talking about big jumps up, uh, connecting him with Bethany Balser. I mean, he went from, uh, you know, a junior college in Arizona, I believe, and he jumped all the way up to um, the Wolverines and uh, kind of propelled himself that way. So that Justin yeah. Miram had, had himself a jump in competition, too. Yeah, no, he did. He did. And, uh, and, and yeah, he worked his way up and he was even, you know, played, played some NPSL, uh, for the, the Arizona Suaros, which, uh, which is one of my favorite names. And I wish they would, they would revive that in some way. I think the team folded and uh, you know how minor league soccer is. So, uh, the team folded, but they're, they're still around in some other form. And anyway, but he, he made a stop there and then uh, came up to Ann Arbor and, and made a big, big splash. And he was, a you know, as a, yeah, I think it was 15th overall in the in in the MLS Super Draft to, for the crew, and he's he's jumped around, but he's made an impact wherever he's gone. And then the fact that he, you know, playing for the the Iraqi national team is uh, has been a great uh, a great boost for him. And and I, I I just I think that's good to you know players being able to to find avenues to play internationally. You know, if if maybe it's you know, not in the cards for you to play for, you know, play for the U S like obviously his, his parents are given the avenue to do that, uh, uh, to play for the Iraqi national team. And, and he, uh, I think both of his parents were born there if I recall correctly. So his, uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's great to see that. And, uh, and he's, he made an impact and, and continues to do it at the professional level. So, uh, playing with Real Salt Lake and, uh, and yeah, it's good good to have someone to root for out there in rsl land uh for those curious um justin miram himself he he had a he had a notable high school career and lots of high school action going on right now um all the divisions across the state playing in postseason play and i want to encourage everybody listening to check out the michigan soccer central social media channels as we've got score updates and pictures of all the winners and uh, very extensive coverage of uh, the high school boys soccer um, postseason. Definitely want to direct you there. So much to um, take note of. And one of the segments uh, we're going to segue into team of the week. We had one a banner week for submissions. So many people staking the claim. Uh, lots of uh, really good teams across the state. And thank you so much for sending those in. Um, I'm going to give them, uh, it's probably because they were on the podcast, but I want to give a, an honorable mention this week to the Brother Rice uh, Boys Warriors. Uh, they won uh, their first championship. What is it, 11 years? I, I think so. Yeah, they, I mean, very, very deserving too. And, and uh, we love giving giving kudos to to teams like that to you know snap championship droughts or maybe pull off their first we had so many examples that we could have used we could have had like six or seven uh out of the girls state cup tournament uh so many of those uh, some of those teams winning for the first time or, or or winning multiples so there there were a lot of i don't know how we did it this week really narrowing it down to all these teams yeah there was definitely more of a, a debate in the uh chat this week um about who 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 really could could make it but um honorable mention brother rice boys uh 
on um on, on an awesome bounce back year and next up we have a special guest presenter for this week's number one uh we are soccer michigan soccer central team of the week this week we had more submissions than ever for Team of the Week, but this week's winner is Oakland Anniversary Men's Soccer. This past week, the Golden Grizzlies won three times, including a big one against Louisville, and they have now gone six games undefeated and have a 6-1-1 record on Horizon League action. Congratulations, to open University's men's side of winning this week's edition of Team of the Week. Yes, thank you, Calvin, for presenting the Team of the Week this week. Uh, send in your submissions to either We Are Soccer or Michigan Soccer Central's uh, social media. Send us the DM if uh, you see a team making an outstanding achievements on or off the field. Other notable collegiate successes. Um, the Spartan women are having a great year for themselves. They sit at 10, 4, and 3, uh, heading into the Big Ten tournament, I believe, on Sunday. Um, we'll get more on that next week, most likely, but a great bounce back year for the Spartan women. Yeah, they're going to play the five, number five Iowa in the uh, on Halloween. So that'll be a fun, fun day at the DeMartin Stadium. I am certain that we will see some costumes out there in the stands. Yes, shout out to the Red Cedar Rowdies. Uh, they joined us um, earlier in the year talking about uh, one of the, the schools across Michigan that has an avid uh, student fan base. Um, University of Michigan, uh, they're having a, a, a good period. Um, Kevin Buka, another former guest of the show last week, uh, at him and his Wolverines got another win on Friday over Rutgers on senior night. Uh, they play uh, midweek against Ohio State University in the regular season finale. They had a little bit of an inconsistent start, but have really rounded into form here in the back half of the season. Yeah, and they you know they're unbeaten and they're in the last three and heading into the Ohio State game on the road and then of course going to start the tournament and that's uh, that's where you know a, a team like Michigan where you can you can have that slow start and then you can pick it up in the second half of the season get hot at the end and you can make a run we've seen it time and time again so uh, I did catch their uh, their game against Akron on the road and uh, I, they they had chances to to win that but finished in a, in a scoreless draw but okay, bounced back with a, a senior day win over Rutgers and uh, you know off to Ohio State they go for uh, for a midweek clash that's always fun for you know the Ohio State Michigan thing I mean w the football rivalry gets all the publicity. But I have been a part of just about every other sport, and they don't like each other no matter what sport it is. I mean, it was like gymnastics. I did a, I broadcasted a gymnastics meet between the two schools, and it was sort of heated. So it was, uh, it's, it's a great rivalry, one of the great rivalries in all of sports. Yeah, that should be very, very fun. I think yeah, it could just very well be just like the the tribalism of localness uh, spills over, or just like the mission, the the, fo the football rivalry is so big it doesn't matter if there's blue and green. There's contentiousness. Yes. <laughs> um. So uh, kudos to them. Um. 
Also want to note that uh, Western Michigan University Bronco men uh, got a, a good 3-0 win on the road against Georgia Southern on Saturday. They've been having a, a bit of a mixed season, so uh, good for them for getting a, a win on the road. Um, and also, yeah, kudos to Oakland University, our uh, We Are Soccer, Michigan Soccer Central Team of the Week. The team uh, playing most locally to me is on a hot, hot streak, too. But now, Mr. Josh Hakala, what we did last weekend. How about we take a break, take a breath, and we'll come back and review last weekend's MSYSA State Cup Finals. Josh Hackle back with you here on the Michigan Soccer Central podcast. Now, Josh and I had the pleasure of doing uh, the play-by-play commentary on all 12 MSYSA Girls State Cup Finals last weekend. So we we figured it was fair to uh, touch on some of the notable moments from a a really good weekend at the Legacy Center out in Brighton. Um, So I'll pitch it to you. I... uh, actually got the luck of the draw and I, I got to commentate the games inside in the field house, but I want you to fill us what happened in, a, in the dome games. Yeah. I'm glad that you, uh, glad that you enjoyed that. Cause, uh, <laughs> I, I had, I called the games from field level, which, uh, for anybody who has ever done play by play before, uh, can know how challenging that is. Cause, uh, and I apologize if, uh, you were a fan of any of these teams and any of the players on the far side of the field didn't get identified, uh, all the time so it was uh yeah but no it was it was great the facility I, it was the first time i've been there which is a little um surprising since i live in ann arbor um it's not that far away it's like you know less than 20 minutes away and uh yeah it was a gorgeous facility and uh and so yeah i was in the dome and you know some really really good games i i actually a lot of these games and i and i'm sure for you as well i mean you get to these state cup finals and a lot of the <laughs> shouldn't say like riffraff by any stretch. <laughs> like so, some of the the lesser teams have definitely gone by the wayside, and and it's usually the powerhouses that are left. We did have a few Cinderella stories that were really great, but for the most part, I mean, these are like the you know the best of the best, and usually, and it wasn't true for my first game, but uh, usually it's like it's always like a low scoring battle they cancel each other out you know the best offensive team some of the best defensive teams and they just you know you know they clash and it ends up usually being a good game the six games between the two of us on saturday were in the elite division and then all the games on sunday were in the uh premier division and uh the first games on the docket uh, at least on my side was the the u19 who did you start with I had the U16 elites. Yeah. The, the Michigan fire juniors, uh, w- it was a game that I, I was, I was really looking forward to, uh, cause they were, they, they were coming into it. They were flying high and this is their third straight final. And they were trying to become, and this is the court, uh, Dean Munkle was telling me that, uh, it is, it was the first time 
or they were trying to become the first team from their club, not this team, but like the club in general, uh, to win a state cup title, which is, you know, that motivation is there. But this is the third straight final that they made it to. They've lost the previous two, and to make make it a little sweeter, they got to play the team that beat them last time out. And uh, boy, did they come through because they 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 won the game over uh, over the Nationals Union four to nothing. Uh, Kendall Aiken scored a pair of goals. Ava Lutke had one early. But the one that is gonna, which I'm surprised no one has cut out the highlights of this and put it on YouTube. I I, I guess I gotta maybe look a little harder. Someone must have. Uh, Kendall Petoskey fired a free kick from I'm gonna say 45 yards out, like you know 40 45 yards. And it was it was right in front of me, and it's one of those ones you're just like, ah, oh, they're gonna serve it in, and you know, see what happens in the mix in the box. And nope, she went for it, and it just floated and ended up in the in the upper corner, and it was a beauty. So hopefully somebody uh, cuts that up and puts that on YouTube if they haven't already, because that was that was special. So congratulations to the Michigan Fire Juniors, the U16s. They win it uh, four to nothing over the Nationals Union, Black, they uh, they got their revenge from uh, last year's State Cup Final. That's an awesome storyline. Uh, it's cool that uh, those sort of things were baked into the tournament this year. A lot of teams getting, uh, a few teams getting their first evers, some uh, powerhouses in the games, and then some uh, a couple revenge uh, stories too. Uh, my first game was probably actually started off the first of the six games I did was probably the most intense. It started off with a bang. The U19 Elite was uh, Nationals Union Girls Black uh, versus uh, Doug Steinert's 2003 uh, Michigan Jaguars. We had uh, Coach Steinert on the podcast last week, and uh, apparently that winning goal, it went nil-nil throughout the whole game. Uh, I thought that was going to be how the weekend turned out. Turned out to be my only overtime game, thankfully. But uh, that game between uh, Nationals Black and uh, the Jaguars 03s was uh, really high quality. I was really impressed. Um, even though it was a, a nil-nil, there was lots of action. There was lots of individual duels uh, on the side in front of me. There was a, uh, a really uh, great battle uh, between uh, the number nine, Ava Kettler, on the Nationals, and then uh, on the... Uh, on the green side, on the Jaguars side, uh, I believe it was samples or the left back for the um, the the Jaguars versus uh, that number nine of the Nationals was extremely entertaining throughout the whole game. Uh, there was a bar hit from one team; the other team hit the crossbar, but it came down to uh, a, 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 a a winning goal. So, so late. It looked like it was going to penalty kicks, but the Jaguars, uh, they, they, they got a late, late goal with about three minutes left in the second half of overtime. Coach Steiner said he already had his uh, penalty kick uh, lineup already written down. He was prepared for that but when the goal went in. Apparently, he went into uh, like a super sand mode and uh, he's apparently there's a video of him celebrating, uh, but he doesn't remember. He he said that was his favorite goal he ever scored. And that blew me away because uh, he's been uh, uh, pretty much a, li- a lifer since high school. He was a coach and uh, that was his number one goal he ever saw. That was that was pretty cool for uh, um, the very first game of the weekend for me. 
Well, another one, another thing that I heard from, and, and we talked to every coach and, uh, and and talking to them and and you know get trying to get a sense of their team before before these games, which by the way is a lot of work uh, in a week <laughs> to to track down six, you know, or actually no, 12, 12 different coaches. Um, but they, you know, in talking to a lot of them, a lot of the themes that we heard, at least that I, I I'm sure you did too, is that so many of these teams have just played together for so long. You know, there were some players or some teams that were you know, he was like you know the core of this team has been together since the under eight level or you know the under 12 level and and they just keep they play together they obviously add a player here and there and like that's how kind of how these things get built and one of those examples was the the team from tko premier uh the blue team uh in the under 18 elite final which this was this was a treat because you know two of the top teams playing each other and uh also the home team, uh, Legends FC Black, uh, playing, which just added to the crowd that was there, um, for better or worse, for the broadcast. I don't know how that sounded, uh, but I was surrounded by parents. Uh, I'm not sure they were supposed to be there, <laughs> but they were there. Uh, but it was uh, it was so it was a really great game. Uh, my second game, uh, you know, Legends FC were the two-time defending State Cup champions, and uh, they, you know, they. They took care of business, uh, but it took a while. Uh, they they traded goals in the first half. Um, uh, Hannah Costamo scored a PK uh, midway through, and then the 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 notable player. You know, there's a lot of them, but uh, the player for uh, TKO Premier is Hannah Thompson. And if you are not familiar with Hannah Thompson's work, uh, you you want to pay attention to this coming high school season because she is gonna blow it up. Last year. All she did was break the state record for goals in a season for boys or girls. She scored 87 goals in one season. And I just can't wrap my head around that. So she, uh, that's, that was TKO Premier's leading goal scorer. They had kept her in check through the first half and she scored the very last kick of the first half. But for the most part, they shut her down, um, uh, at least Legends defense did. The game went to extra time. Donna Deacon scored in the 105th minute, and that was how the game ended uh, with a 2-1 Legends FC win. But 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 Hannah Thompson, who is apparently headed to Eastern Michigan, just to think of, she scored eight goals in a game three times cool. in a season. And I'm like, you know, off the top of my head, I remember when I, I looked that up, she scored 87 goals. I'm like, how many goal? How many games do they even play in a season? Because even if you said forty, which they don't, obviously, like even if you said forty, I'd be like, "Holy cow, that's amazing!" <laughs> like, but no, they probably play what twenty, twenty-five. I would, I would estimate off the top of my head. And to score eighty-seven in a season is just incredible. And she has a senior season coming up this fall at Schoolcraft. So. Watch out for her. I'm sure she's going to be uh, lighting it up. So, um, but but fell short though. Like I said, the Legends FC defense very impressive. They had only allowed one goal. In fact, that goal that Hannah Thompson scored was the second goal. Or I'm sorry, the third goal that Legends FC, this Legends FC under 18 team, had allowed in the last three years. So. That was impressive. So it was a battle, uh, you know, Clash of the Titans and Legends FC won in under 18. Uh, that's uh, quite a uh, defensive record there. Good note, uh, Josh. 
Um, the best comeback that I saw over the weekend last weekend was actually another Jaguar side, the Jaguars 07 side, led by Chris Crawford. They played in the uh, um, U15 elite game against uh, Michigan Football Academy Revolution, a uh, newer club, uh, breakaway club in a way, uh, out in Grand Rapids area. And they um, MFA Revolution came out the blocks hot. And uh, they took an early 1-0 lead, and uh, the Jaguars 07 side was on the ropes, absolutely on the ropes for the first 15, maybe 20 minutes of the game, and uh, did well to only be one down. And then slowly, 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 like so marginally, incrementally, as the game wore on, they grew into the game. And by the end of the game, they had uh, the Revolution on the ropes. Um, it was pretty impressive to see just like they were just making more and more progress slowly and slowly and ended up uh, winning their final uh, by a score of two to one. Um, it was pretty cool to, it was very patient, very patient. I could see with the way the first, you know, quarter of the game went, I could see other teams uh, kind of maybe freaking out with how the game was going. Yeah. No. And, and that, it's really what we had. We had so much variety. And this, uh, the the my last game on Saturday was the U14 final, and we had another first time champ, uh, Plymouth Rain Green, edged uh, the Midwest United Royal one nothing. The game winning goal was scored by Lexi Messina in the about four minutes left. I hate short corners. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm not a fan. Uh, but then I was thinking about it in, at the under 14 level. You, know, you probably, by and large, don't have a ton of players that can really like serve in a dangerous ball into the box from a corner kick. So I, I'm assuming maybe that's the that's the idea is like maybe we don't have enough players who can do that. So they kept playing the short corner, and you know with some success here and there. But the the game winner was was beautiful. It was a it, it came short and she just dummied the ball, and Lexi Messina came up and just hammered it with a left hand or left foot into the upper corner and uh, that was the game winner. And that was their first, that was only their second final in team history. And, uh, and they, they won it. And so they got their first, uh, their first state cup title for, for Plymouth rain. So that was a, another one of those teams that have been playing together since the under eight level. And I mean, they've, they've got more years to come. So I am curious to see what uh, the Plymouth rain do uh, in the, in the coming years. Another standout performance on the, the, the field house side was um, Michigan Fire Juniors. Uh, they beat uh, Kingdom SC. And I really wanted to note um, one of the many, actually a lot of the standout players that really impressed me were kind of do-everything uh, defenders. And one of them that really stood out to me, on not on a winning side, was uh, Kingdom SC uh, Reds in the, the U17 elite side. Um, there was a number nine the second number nine I've pointed out that was a defender, Jada Spillers. And now um, the Fire Juniors uh, went on to win, and they they did very well and were a very, very solid team whose coach, um, Carl Winty, was the most effusive um, coach when, when I uh, talked to them. Like you said, we, we reached out and spoke with as many coaches as we could ahead of the tournament, and uh, – Coach Carl was extremely effusive about his uh, fire junior side, but the, the player that blew me away was uh, Jada Spillers on Kingdom. 
Um, she was absolutely everywhere. Every time there was an awesome tackle, good pass, she was all over the field. Uh, she, she, she really impressed me. All right, anyway, then we we moved on to, over to Sunday, the Premier Division, and uh, I I think th- this one was interesting because we had a you know another home game for our home the home team playing on the on the dome field, uh, Legends FC Blue. Uh, they beat uh, West Michigan Storm two to one. Uh, Mary Johnson scored a late winner, the eighty third minute, and this is another example of you know. A, not a, a comeback story of sorts, you know, in these tournaments, you get the group stage and then you have the knockout round and you don't always have a chance to fix a stumble. Like if, if you lose a game in the group stage or even draw a game in the group stage, you're in trouble. And, and that's what happened to, to Ledges FC. They, they drew one, one with Michigan burn white to start the group stage and basically had to win the rest of their games and had a win and you're in game for the final group stage game. And I think teams like that, you know, you, you, you basically play with your backs up against the wall and that's what carries you to the, to the final. And that's what happened to them. They, they got, got out of the group. They won the semis, the semis against warriors, SC 10 to nothing. And then came through and won a game against West Michigan storm. Uh, Brianna Rodriguez scored the other goal for them, but it was a, it was a back and forth, uh, another clash of the Titans at the uh, under 18 level. Um, switching over to uh, Sunday action. Um, we had a, a few uh, first time winners and a, uh, a, a local uh, clash. Um, an exciting game on Sunday was uh, the chaos from gross eel against uh, the Michigan rush down river. And uh, that was the most uh, interpersonal game for or a lot of interrelationships. The the clubs are only like a mile or two away from each other. I think a lot of all the girls go to the same school and whatnot. And that was a, a very physical and intense game. And uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, uh, rush uh, came away uh, successful Another notable club doing big things is uh, the North Storm, um, uh, a club from Traverse City. We're in two finals on uh, Sunday in the uh, 05s and the 07s. Um, they, uh, this was the first time that they had any teams make it to the semis. And they, uh, they made like three out of their four teams made the semis and then two made it to the finals. So... Um, a very uh, exciting for um, that club to. It's cool to see a, a team from the north that's on the rise. Their coach was the the girls' competitive coach of the year. Um, he he his sides they they lost the first final in the younger age group in the 07s, but the 05s uh, won their the first state cup title for the North Storm. And then uh, I ended up my day in the field house um, uh, with that uh, that North Storm win, but uh, they played uh, 05 Force, and uh, there was uh, a lot of intensity in that game. But uh, North Storm were were just so competent; they the Force uh, weren't able to get around the back line of. Um, North Storm whatsoever. Uh, they that was like probably 
the most comprehensive win out of all the six games I covered was uh, the North Storm 05 side coached by uh, Jason Smith uh, was 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 really incredible and just an incredibly composed and controlled win. Yeah, I, I had a my only penalty kick game came in the second to last game, Detroit City FC Genesee Rouge. Another one of those situations where they lost their first game in the group stage. And when you lose, I mean, if you get a draw, you at least get a point and you're, you're still alive. But like losing, that's tough. And so that they they came back and and won their group, got out of the group. And uh, it was their first time in state cup. And so they, they just kept going. And they were, I mean, a, a bit of an underdog in that respect, uh, you know, after the stumbling to Midland Fusion. And then they got to play Midland Fusion, the team that beat them in the first group game, in the quarterfinals. They got their revenge, beat them two to nothing. Then they they got past United FC in the semis, and then they came to this game, and it really was a battle of two two teams just canceling each other out. A tough tough defensive team and a big time offensive team in Chaos Red. Uh, Chaos Red. Uh, they actually had, and this is just an unfortunate scheduling thing, and I don't know why they couldn't rectify this I, I i don't know if it's like unfair to do it but they had while your game you were doing the chaos game uh the 0304 team on your field at the same time as the chaos red u16 team that i'm talking about and so the coaches were gonna go back and forth coaching each game and so kyle uh less parents was that said that depending on how the game was going, he might switch out at halftime. And there was a lot of like confusion there. Um, turns out your game ended before, before ours did because it went to penalty kicks. So he, he stayed for the majority of the game, but yeah, they were switching coaches going across the street. And that was a, that was a bit chaotic, but uh, Detroit city FC came away with the, with the win. And uh, it was a weird penalty kick shootout. It was two to nothing for Detroit city. Uh, Serenity Wisinski made two saves, and uh, and the chaos hit the post twice. So that was just uh, just unlucky there. And uh, we we had goals are uh, Anna Weston and uh, another really impressive player midfielder uh, Ayana Blake. Uh, she scored for DCFC, and then they missed and then hit the post themselves. And so it was really like who wants to win this thing? And uh, ultimately, it was. Uh, you know the chaos uh, hit the post in the last, uh, the last, in the fourth attempt, and that's how it ended. So Detroit City FC winning their first state cup. So that was that was a a great uh, a great way, you know, to have my my only penalty kick uh, shootout of the day. And then the last game I had was uh, BC Fire defeating Royal Oak Green in the under fourteen Premier Final. Uh, Alana Hacker scored on a beautiful free kick. That one should also be on YouTube somewhere. And uh, it was it was a tight game. And but Lila Frank scored in the 51st minute, and that is was ended up being the difference in that. I have to get a shout out to Christy Evans, the head coach of Royal Oak. Uh, she had a baby like a couple weeks before this game, uh, right before the semifinals of this tournament. And uh, there she was. She's the the baby was uh, being babysat by somebody on the sidelines and uh, there she was coaching and uh, leading her team. But uh, that is just uh, running up the score on the other soccer moms out there. as She's uh, just had a baby and is still out there coaching her team in the state cup final. Unfortunately, they came up short in the final, but, uh, but a great, great story nonetheless for, uh, for, you know, and have BC fire 
win their state cup as well. So congratulations to them, the team out of Battle Creek. Uh, they just swept through the they were just six and zero throughout the entire tournament, and uh, they win their state cup uh, state cup final. They've been hot lately, winning a lot of tournaments, and they capped it off with a state cup final title. Congratulations uh, again to the twelve uh, MSYSA twenty twenty one girls state cup finals winners. Uh, it was a pleasure to be out there. Thanks for having us out, uh, myself and Josh Hakala. It was a great event and uh, some great soccer and display at the Legacy Center out in Brighton. Um, reminding everybody that uh, this is a weekly podcast, the Michigan Soccer Central podcast. And uh, we've had uh, we've been lucky enough and blessed enough to um, have a series of awesome guests over the summer. Uh, we kicked off this show in May and have been going weekly strong and it's been going really well and some really insightful conversations with some uh, awesome personalities from all the different perspectives of soccer here in the Great Lakes State. Like last week, we highlighted that very first game of the State Cup with uh, Coach Doug Steinard, and he revealed that that was the, the best goal he ever saw happen was uh, his Jaguars clinching the State Cup. And then uh, we also had Kevin Buka, one of the best players in Michigan, University of Michigan um, midfielder uh, on the very same episode. And then going back, we highlighted high school with Clawson High School coach, um, record goal scorer uh, from Michigan. Kevin Hubble came on the show and talked about his goal scoring uh, prowess. Uh, we had the Flint City Bucks coach Andy Wagstaff and Dan Fawn from Protagonist talking Nisa and Dale Sal coach and scrolling through the feed just Tons of awesome conversations, getting perspectives of coaches, directors, uh, photographers, play-by-play guys, um, and even supporters and uh, fellow soccer volunteers. So check out the Michigan Soccer Central podcast feed if this is the first episode you're listening to. And definitely be sure to check out Michigan Soccer Central um, on the social medias. Uh, We're getting into many thousands of followers across uh, the platforms, Josh. Yeah, it's uh, MI Soccer Central, and uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and we're all over the place. We're trying to do more. We'll do video as well, but we got the the website that's right around the corner. We're we're you know putting the finishing touches on that, but we need some uh, some contributors to to make that happen. We are we are a big state, and there is a lot of soccer to be covered from you know as we talked about high school, club, college, pros. We've got all sorts of stuff going on. So the more people we can get to, to help out and to help cover this state, the better. So if you are interested, if you are someone who does writing or editing or photography or video, you name it, any way you can, you can help out, drop us a message on, on social media and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll see where you fit in. Cause uh, I think this is something that this state has needed for a long time is a, a, a central, resource a one-stop shop for all things soccer in this state because there's a lot of great soccer being played a lot of great players coaches fans and uh, and we want to you know we want to highlight it to the rest of the world and, and that's this is the best way to do it so if anybody uh, is able to contribute or know someone who can send them our way and uh, we're going to have they have a website up and running and then we'll have feature stories and cover all the things that we've been talking about and that you mentioned on the podcast Exciting times, Mr. Josh. Thank you so much for joining me this week. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you to all the guests we've had. Thank you to MSYSA for having us out there commentating the tournament. And thank you to Jenny Hajnaki for editing the program as always, and Dan Katranza for the music. And of course, I'll thank you again, listener. It's a uh, it's great to provide uh, Michigan soccer coverage. So until next week, we've reviewed a lot of stuff, and there's even more great soccer action in the week to come. So until next time, enjoy your soccer. <laughs>